Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, Cats by 90. I believe this is now episode 22, Aaron, believe it or not. So we're trucking along. Um, today is Sunday evening. We're going to kind of get a little belt ball recap in for sure, talk some basketball. But how's everything going with you, Aaron? Going well. Finishing this break off um, with the family here in Connecticut, New York. Uh, I'll be back in Lexington Thursday. I'm, as you can probably hear right now, I'm fighting off another cold thing. Not as bad as the pneumonia, not nearly as bad, but. Like I said, most wonderful time of the year to get sick rather than anything else. But all good overall. How you doing? Good, good. Everything's good. Very busy, but all good busy, keeping everything in line. But it's been a while, man. I feel like since me and you have kind of just been sitting, chilling, doing a podcast. I know the last one we recorded, I was running on adrenaline back from um, Lexington to Louisville after the Kentucky's big win over Louisville in basketball. But uh, so we can get a quick In My Feelings segment in. It's been a while since we've done that, I feel like, but mine are pretty easy. So today's Sunday night. I'm pissed off that I feel like the weekend just blew by. I feel like I woke up yesterday morning, I played a little basketball, covered the Kentucky, um, went over Missouri, and then bam, now, damn, it's pretty much bedtime and the work week will start. So that sucks. Um, but the good things we're going to talk a lot about, I have to definitely go, I mean, Best basketball game and best football game probably that I've ever covered just within a couple of days of each other. So we have a lot of good stuff for the bulk ball on this one. Both Aaron and I were there. Got some unique perspectives and stories to tell. But um, what about you, Aaron? What's been going on? Yeah, that game. <laughs> those games will definitely have to hit on an awesome time. But um, I kind of touched on the bad. This cold is kind of more pissing me off because I just got over the pneumonia. And I had a few weeks where I felt normal. And now we're here. So a little annoyed with that. But nothing I can't handle. And then the good. Uh, there's a lot of good right now. I gotta say, it's I I just say it's been good to finally get a little bit of time away from. I've worked from home obviously, but get a little time away from both school and a game or two where I can actually watch it on the TV and like basketball wise. So it's been a little nice to get a break, but at the same time, I'm equally as excited to get back on Thursday and then I'll be covering the press conferences, whatever they got Friday, and then obviously Kentucky Alabama on Saturday at Rupp. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon, Cats by 90. I believe this is now episode 22, Aaron, believe it or not. So we're trucking along. Um, today is Sunday evening. We're going to kind of get a little belt ball recap in for sure, talk some basketball. But how's everything going with you, Aaron? Going well. Finishing this break off um, with the family here in Connecticut, New York. Uh, I'll be back in Lexington Thursday. I'm, as you can probably hear right now, I'm fighting off another cold thing. Not as bad as the pneumonia, not nearly as bad, but. Like I said, most wonderful time of the year to get sick rather than anything else. But all good overall. How you doing? Good, good. Everything's good. Very busy, but all good busy, keeping everything in line. But it's been a while, man. I feel like since me and you have kind of just been sitting, chilling, doing a podcast. I know the last one we recorded, I was running on adrenaline back from um, Lexington to Louisville after the Kentucky's big win over Louisville in basketball. But uh, so we can get a quick In My Feelings segment in. It's been a while since we've done that, I feel like. But mine are pretty easy. So today's Sunday night. I'm pissed off that I feel like the weekend just blew by. I feel like 
I woke up yesterday morning. I played a little basketball, covered the Kentucky, um, went over Missouri, and then bam, now, damn, it's pretty much bedtime and the work week will start. So that sucks. Um, but the good things we're going to talk a lot about, I have to definitely go. I mean, best basketball game and best football game probably that I've ever covered just within a couple of days of each other. So we have a lot of good stuff for the bulk ball on this one. Both Aaron and I were there. Got some unique perspectives and stories to tell, but. Um, what about you, Aaron? What's been going on? Yeah, that game, <laughs> those games will definitely have to hit on an awesome time. But um, I kind of touched on the bad. This cold is kind of more pissing me off because I just got over the pneumonia and I had a few weeks where I felt normal. And now we're here. So a little annoyed with that, but nothing I can't handle. And then the good, uh, there's a lot of good right now. I got to say, it's, I, I just say it's been good to finally get a little bit of time away from, I've worked from home, obviously, but get a little time away from both school and a game or two where I can actually watch it on the TV and like basketball wise. So it's been a little nice to get a break, but at the same time, I'm equally as excited to get back on Thursday and then I'll be covering the press conferences, whatever they got Friday. And then obviously Kentucky, Alabama on Saturday at Rupp. Yeah, Good stuff. I know it's really busy time of year, even though football is kind of winding down, but that's definitely where I want to start though, Aaron, because my trip to Charlotte was just amazing. I had the best trip. It was easy for us to get there, rented a nice car. Uh, myself, my wife, we took the baby. He was awesome. Slept the whole seven hours. And then <laughs> I just could not have been more fortunate that it was in Charlotte for the Belk Bowl because my wife's cousin, who we're really close with, I mean, literally lived across the street. Like I could see the practice field from her front porch. So I was able to go back and forth very easily the entire few days that I was there. Really took in a lot of Charlotte. It was nice having a host and kick-ass city. I had an awesome time. Um, we, I feel like we had some really good coverage between us two because there was a lot of storylines um, leading up to that game and then obviously the epic finish. Yeah, absolutely. Charlotte was a really great host. Um, I had never spent time in the city, so I was glad to get a couple days there. Um, smooth try. I've had to fly because coming from New York, but easy flight both ways. Um, everyone was super nice that I met in Charlotte. and uh, I did get screwed by a Lyft driver, though. Have you ever had a Lyft driver that intentionally goes the wrong way to upcharge you? <laughs> I remember you said that. No, I haven't. Yeah. I feel like um, I've, I've only went pretty short distances, but yeah, I could see yeah. where a tricky one might do that from the well, you know airport, knowing they got a tourist. It was a. It wasn't even that. It was a thirteen-minute drive from. I went to pick up the credential at the downtown hotel. I was just getting a ride back to my hotel because I stayed by the airport to just make it easier in the morning, the day after the game, and. She kind of screwed me, but I called Lyft and got a full refund for the folks at Big Blue Insider. So, but <laughs> other than that, uh, really good people, um, really good city, and I really enjoyed Bank of America Stadium. Really cool to cover a game um, at an NFL stadium, being in the, an NFL press box, and kind of seeing all the Panthers media room stuff and all the Carolina Panthers stuff. So it was really cool. Yeah, the game was obviously held up to everything else. I mean, it was just absolutely unbelievable. I know that I had some a little bit of, um, I guess, unique experience, mm -hmm. you could say, because I went, you know, I, was, I got there a couple of days early, so Aaron was a little bit behind me. I went to the media day thing in the hotel, and, you know, Aaron, I was even considering not even stopping by. It had been a long drive the following morning. Um, but, you know, being that I was so close again, we all kind of, they kind of walked me there, and I went in. And from the second I walked in that hotel lobby, Aaron, it was just like, very, very, very like obvious tension in the air. Um, you know, they have just so just to set the stage a little bit, it's just, you know, open hotel lobby. There's kind of nicer, like, you know, backdrop style podium areas for each coach on, on opposite ends of the lobby. 
And then in between there, there's just normal circular tables with like white tablecloths, like regular type hotel dinner style thing. And, and there's players from both teams there. So Virginia Tech and Kentucky, you know, just sitting right next to each other. And I mean, you could just tell from the very beginning, they didn't like each other. Um, we'll kind of reel down the Lynn Bowden beef for anybody that hasn't been all the way caught up on that because it was just kind of some, I guess now you could kind of put together the chronological pieces of what happened. But it was fun, and I had a lot of fun doing the media stuff. Um, but most notably, I guess, obviously heading into that game was just nothing but Kentucky's and Virginia Tech's running with each other at the, what was it, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It was, and yeah, now the we're learning, way, right. And now we're learning that, you know, Lynn Bowden's car was broken into on top of the social media stuff with them calling them names. So that stuff was not media hype. Like, I mean, the minute I got around the team and stuff when I arrived in Charlotte, I mean, it was just evident that they hated each other and all that stuff carried over um, into Bank of America Stadium, which we'll both, you know, have a chance to tell some stories, I'm sure. Yeah, it absolutely did carry over. And thankfully, it ended an hour before the game because if it didn't, uh, Lynn Bowden wouldn't have played. So, yeah, it was wild. The whole situation was kind of stupid, in my opinion. It was, you know, Virginia Tech, obviously, Lynn had every right to be pissed about being called the P word. I don't think anyone would want to hear themselves called that. But then, you know, Lynn, t- I know it looked like from the video that who knows what they were saying to him, but he was getting his face. And then obviously Lynn throws the punch more than an hour before the game. So the refs have no, uh, can't really enforce anything. So he got to play, but really Lynn overreacted. Obviously you never want to throw a punch and he apologized. And I thought it was really sincere and genuine after the game, but it was an ugly start. There were four unsportsmanlike penalties, three on Kentucky in the first quarter, and then I thought it calmed down for the rest of the game. And then after the game, if you look at the videos, all the Virginia Tech players are lining up to shake his hand. So uh, I, my theory is still uh, they wanted him thrown out of the game and they didn't want to have to face him because they knew what they were going to have to deal with. That's still my theory, uh, but it didn't work for them, obviously. And after the game, they, you know, they were in awe of him and there was nothing but respect. So... He just had a happy ending. It's really rare to Aaron that something like that happens when, you know, I mean, there was, there was literally video evidence um, of this, you know, at the motor speedway, right. but we're like the coaches asked and they're not just like coach speak, like, Oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to play our game. They're going to play theirs. We're not worried about it. I mean, like when they were asking Mark Stoops at that media op, he was basically being like, yep, well, we'll use it on the field. Like, I mean, he was pretty yeah. much acknowledging that there was no love loss, which I thought was interesting. And then, so I walk into Bank of America Stadium. Um, probably it's probably about nine thirty, nine forty-five on um, the day of the bowl game, and I get two steps in the tunnel. And like two guys that I know, grab me like they were fighting. They were fighting. Oh man, they were fighting on the field. So I just missed the, the limbo altercation. And if there's one thing that I learned in 2019, it's the fact that the referees in football do not have jurisdiction until an hour before the game. And th- this is a serious question. I'm not even making a joke, but like. Let's say if that fight got genuinely out of hand, I mean, haymakers are thrown, there was injuries. Like, who's the jurisdiction then? The police? Like, is it genuinely the police? Or, is, I mean, is it on the coaches, the self-discipline? Like, that one-hour jurisdiction thing seems completely bogus. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, with you. It's a really good question. I don't know who to ask to that, but I would say, I'd say more likely than not, it's a coach's decision at that point. And I would think, I mean, both if Lynn really had hurt somebody or, vice versa, that you would probably see some self-discipline. But, you know, Kentucky, that's their best player. They don't – they don't, probably don't – the way that game went, 
and how the defense, Kentucky's defense really struggled for three quarters. Uh, if you don't have Lynn in the lineup, that's an obvious loss. So, you know, as bad of a look as yeah. it was, you never want to see it. Thank God it happened when it did. Yeah, no, nobody. I don't. It would have been horrible if he couldn't play. What a what a way to end that season. That would have been no good. But so then I hear about the fight. I walk on the field. I'm out there. You know, Lynn has he's he's shirtless. He's got his chains on. He's throwing in warm ups. Like you can just tell that like the stage is just set and this thing is going to be really really contentious. And then maybe you know 20 minutes later I walk in the tunnel and I'll tell this story now because his you know his career is over at Kentucky and he ended it very nicely. But so I'm kind of walking in the tunnel. I hear behind me some a uh, couple guys coming through, and they can't really tell what they're saying, but you can definitely tell they're talking trash. And there's a couple of Virginia Tech players just mouthing and John. And then I just hear the loudest roar of an MFR that I've ever heard in my life. Like, shocks me. I turn around, and it's Cash Daniel, of course, like basically, <laughs> you know, kind of chasing them down and letting them know. And from that moment, man, I was texting people that I knew. I was like, this thing is going to be crazy. Like, these teams hate each other. And I was very, very surprised after that because I was pumped that there wasn't more um, of an altercation type thing at the coin toss. You can tell that both teams went there with strict instructions not to. But, um, it, man, it was just a very, very lively couple of days before the game and pregame setting to set the stage for a game that ended up living up to the hype. Yeah, to say the least, definitely lively. And, you know, like I said, other than the four, once it got on the field, you had the four unsportsman legs. In the first quarter, one was Stenberg, I believe. I forget who was on Tech, but Kentucky had two other ones. Uh, luckily, it really didn't impact the game in the long run. Uh, and like I said, really after the first quarter, I thought it calmed down a lot. And obviously, after the game, there was there was all respect. So, you know what? It was it was at the end of the day, we could say it was kind of fun because you know it brought a storyline to the belt bullet, put eyes. Uh, the national national audience had more eyes on it than it probably would have, and the game, like you said, it ended up living to the hype because of it. Oh, I loved every second of it, man. Because I'll be honest, I had a <laughs> you know really quick turnaround from the basketball game to get on the road to Charlotte. Like I said, I'd even considered skipping that that media chance to talk to the guys because I was just kind of tired and out of it. And as soon as I left, man, I was in there twenty minutes. I was so pumped for that game. Um, I knew it was going to be great. And another thing is, too, Aaron, too, you know, I was down on the field, and, man, them boys were hitting in that game. There was mm-hmm. some licks being put down. So, it, you know, it wasn't just empty talk. I mean, both of these teams were really laying out. It was just perfect football weather. Um, it was probably about maybe high 40s, low 50s, not a cloud in the sky. Um, th- and then the crowd, too, that was another thing I wanted to talk about, Aaron. So I, I was there Sunday nights. So I, was, I was exploring Charlotte for a good day and a half before the bowl game, and, I mean, it was 100-1 to one Kentucky fans and Virginia Tech fans. I was struggling to even find any. But then by the time kickoff, man, I mean, it was pretty split. I don't even know. You could maybe go a little bit Kentucky. But that Virginia Tech side was really full. So the atmosphere for the bowl was good. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really good atmosphere. Um, both sides, I thought, were pretty well represented. Obviously, uh, Virginia Tech, I believe, is only three hours away from Charlotte. So they had a pretty easy trip. So that's why. I think you saw a lot of the more of the UK fans in early where tech was more of a day trip for their fans. But regardless, I thought really good crowd. Um, I'd say probably still 60, 40 in minutes UK. And, um, and there's a lot of noise on both sides and it made for a fun atmosphere. I mean, you really could tell like you had both sides, like at the ends uh, of the sidelines rather painted really perfectly. And 
still had a couple fans mixed into each side from other teams, but really great atmosphere. And then you obviously saw just how many UK people traveled after the game ended. And both of us, were, I think you were on the field too during the trophy ceremony, and they were just absolutely roaring out there. And it was a, it was a true sea of blue out there. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's definitely a good picture to paint because, so, you know, the game's winding down. It was really cool because, you know, all the media is allowed to come down to the field with like five minutes left or something like that. So um, a lot of people had made their way down and we were all just standing in that end zone where ultimately Kentucky scored the game winning touchdown on the pass from Wim Bowden to Josh Ali. But it was just really cool, man. And I, for one, I keep hearing all the fans, oh, I was so nervous. And I'm normally like that, but I don't, I guess it's just Lynn Bowden, but I just knew from the beginning of that drive they were going to score. I guess maybe when we got to that fourth down and stuff, I was probably a little bit nervous. But overall, I just, I don't know, man. It's just something about that kid. He's just so special. And obviously, ultimately scores the touchdown. I was right there for the scoop and score at the end of the game. I had a really good Twitter live video. It's just incredible. I've never, ever been in a post-game scene like that football or basketball, um, just absolutely incredible. I have some video of um, Lynn Bowden that I want to play after the game. But first I wanted to ask you, too, Aaron, because we both had a similar experience. So um, Cash Daniel has obviously been like an, an up-and-down player, um, kind of had his reputation tainted a little bit with what happened against the University of Florida. So there's just all this kind of stuff. I mean, I've never been a big one way or the other. I'm not super high on him. I never, you know, crushed the kid either. But – I know in the post game, watching him go around, I mean, that final horn went off. Everybody else was kind of just running gleefully up to the stage, you know, wanting to get their hand on the trophy. And, man, he was just pretty much crying, just just seeking out specific individuals, giving them a big hug, telling them that he loved them. I know there was a couple of um, images of him saying things, you know, these, the last time he's going to put blue across his chest. And I know you had a similar experience because I walked off that field today like, man, you know, I really do, you know, like that kid and I really appreciate what he brought to the program. And, uh, but it was pretty cool, I guess, to see him in the post game, just kind of taking in his career at Kentucky. Absolutely. It was really cool. And I think I texted you after coming away, man, it's hard not to like that kid after all that. Um, and I asked him to describe that because you had him on, you know, you caught him with the camera crying a little bit. I asked him about that and he gave a really uh, passionate one minute answer talking about, you know, taking it all in and realizing how lucky he was and how many kids would die to be in the position he was at. So really, really cool moment. Um, and you know what? He, he up and down, not only was he up and down kind of, you know, people judging his personality and the type of player he was, but he didn't have a great season on the field this year. He missed a lot of tackles. You could see um, the game kind of almost some of these younger guys were just faster and Chris Oates kind of, appeared to be the guy at middle linebacker of the year. Cash started to get less playing time, but he played. He led the team in tackles and had a really good game, so he saved the best for last, I thought, both on the field and off it. So, And I was glad. I know it was kind of late, but it was still nice to see him offer a little bit of an apology to Kyle Trask on live TV afterwards, so I thought that was pretty mature of him, too. He didn't have to do that, obviously. Um, should have probably come earlier? Absolutely. Should he have lied about it? No, but that one to me is a little bit of a better late than never because thankfully Trask did not get hurt and did not affect his season. He went and had a great year too. So I was really glad to see him do that. And I definitely came away, um, you know, respecting him a little more than I already did. Same here. And it was nice to see him, you know, lead the team with eight tackles and a bulk bow win, you know, kind of button up his career nicely. And I thought too, Aaron, that apology, I was really thinking about it like, a, you know, the day of and a day after or so. And 
that situation to me kind of defined that saying of like, you know, forgiveness is for yourself more than it is for others. Like, I think he needed to do that for himself. Um, right. Cause I'm sure that was, that burden was weighing heavy on him. Cause man, you don't see too often when a guy goes from being like pretty much, you know, head over heels, like heat seeking missile fan favorite to kind of, you know, the fan base went split real quick and he never really, I guess, recovered, you know, on the field or off the field from that. So awesome that he buttoned up his career that way. Everybody, man, it was just cool. That post game scene was just something else from Lynn holding his son on stage and even Mark Stoops getting the trophy, the coaches, just so many different storylines. And, um, we had some good coverage with them, um, both the Sea of Blue, Big Blue Insider, all that stuff, like everyone did. But it's been nice to just, um, you know, bask in all this. And I know Vito Tisdale commits yesterday and just all this sustained success that Kentucky's had, you know, not just a belt bow fluke win, but I mean, it's just the culmination of everything over the last, you know, three years. Yeah. This football program, <laughs> times have definitely changed with this football program. And I've been telling you and a lot of people for weeks next year uh, on paper, I mean, looking at what Georgia's um, going to lose, looking at some of the guys Florida are going to lose. And then, you know, Missouri, Vanderbilt, and South Carolina are probably not going to be much in the picture next year. Tennessee's kind of the wild card because Kentucky's got to prove that they can beat them. But regardless, it, if they want to win the East with the, you know, all the effort they've put into this thing, I, I really think next year is their best chance to do it. Absolutely. Because you got, you'll have Terry and Sawyer Smith back. So if Terry's not fully himself, you do have Sawyer back too. Uh, his injury, you know, he's going to recover. He'll be fine. Um, yes, you lose Lynn. That's an awful loss, but <laughs> you'll have a new, real quarterback in there. And some of the receivers, um, like Josh Alley, the way he played in that bowl game, you got to be excited about that. Obviously, you get all three running backs back there. Uh, Travis Tisdale, who really did great things in the couple of games he got to play, um, will be a factor because there won't be a red shirt on him anymore. Um, and then defensively, man, they're stacked. I mean, that whole secondary is back. You have the kid from LSU, Kevin Joseph, will be able to play. Chris Oates is now your starting linebacker. So for the people who are fans of cash and sometimes he being slow, well, you got a really fast middle linebacker and an athletic one in Chris Oates. And we know how good the defensive front is. So a lot to like. Yep, the sky's the limit right now for Kentucky football. And I don't, I don't think there's a better way, really, that we could kind of end our at least in-season coverage of the Kentucky football team. But I probably have about two, two and a half minutes of um, Lynn Bowden audio from the post game because he was just obviously just exhilarated, happy, you know, for how the team was able to finish the season. A lot of emotion in there, too. So I'm going to play that. That's why it says probably about five clips and an equal about two minutes. But this was Lynn Bowden Jr. in the post game of the Belk Bowl.
Rushed for 500 on last, last game before this. 400 before that, 400 again. So I don't, I don't get the logic. I mean, is it because we're Kentucky? Is y'all going to change that? That's, that's just a question for the world. I want to know. Let me know. And I don't know what else to say. Rushed for 500 on last. Josh is Brown on that last play. Was that something you guys worked in practice? On the time, you looked really good. Uh, probably gonna be in trouble for saying this, you know. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of checked out of it, checked Josh to a post, you know. He's the best rock runner on our team, you know. You going one on one him? I put he playing SEC every week against the best corners there is in America. And I see, I see him break in, let's do the ball up. That's my guy. So he wanted me to play. Explain what happened, and it looked like he threw a punch. Do you, do you regret that? It's a lot of emotion. You no, know, I could have hurt my team not been out there. Back with them. So I just apologize to my to my, uh, my program, my teammates. I did it before the game. I apologize to guys. You know, we respect Virginia Tech. You know, if I could go back, I wouldn't do it. You know, so. But it's in the past. You know. Champion. <laughs> but it's in the past. You know. <laughs> All right, I think that's all of it. I know it's kind of mixed up there, different stuff, but, um, you know, apologize for, for throwing the punch. And one of my favorite things, too, just real quick to wrap up football talk, Aaron, was that uh, they were continually kind of throwing backhanded jabs about the SEC being better, um, which I thought was yeah. great. And you saw it, too. There were several times when SEC speed chased somebody down and made a big play, but – 20, uh, 2019 football, man. What a year. What a ride. And I'm looking forward to doing it with you next year, Aaron. Um, let's talk some basketball real quick. But um, before that, let's go ahead and take a commercial break. All right. And we're back on the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations of Sea of Blue. Drew Brown, Aaron Gershon here. And, um, Man, so the last time we discussed basketball, I mean, I was, like I said, my adrenaline was cranking. One of the best games I've ever been to, covered all of the above, um, when Kentucky defeated Louisville on their home court. They had a week off um, from that, which, you know, I think anybody with a brain knew that that um, they could come out a little bit flat against Missouri yesterday, which is exactly what happened. Um, the first 10 minutes was real ugly. Um, but they found a way, you know, came back and win. A lot of stellar performances, and um, now mm-hmm. we're kind of on some injury watches, but – they look overall, especially second half. They look pretty good. Yeah, honestly, I thought after the first ten minutes when Nick Richards scored the first nine points, um, they played really well once they got the lead and they never looked back. I kind of felt like one of those games where they just had a, you know, kind of adjusting to the opponent. Took about five, eight minutes of really, really bad basketball, and then after that, you know, they kind of flexed their muscle and showed who the better team was, but. I mean, can't say enough about Nick Richards. I mean, obviously had a couple of rough games where it had us questioning, you know, is this after a really good start, is this, you know, a fluke that he had the really nice start or what? But the Louisville game and then that Missouri game, I think, continues to prove this kid is just a different player this year. Uh, the potential that all the coaches saw in him when they recruited him a few years ago, this is it. And he's playing like a first-round draft pick right now. That's for dang sure. So really good to see him post another double-double, uh, 21 points. Like I said, he scored, I think, first nine. And what was it, first 15 out of 17? 
I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And then at one point, another, uh, at uh-huh. one point, Travis from from Cats Illustrated looked over at me. It was like I, I mean, I feel like at least almost ten minutes had went by. And Nick, he told me Nick Richards had taken eight of 11's Kentucky shots. <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy, and he made almost all of them. It was crazy. He he was awesome. And then Emmanuel quickly, man, he I know he's on the injury watch right now. He's already missed a game. I think what was it, a hip issue or chest issue that he missed a game earlier this season for, but. This was his non-shooting wrist. I think they're checking out, but sounds like he'll play against Georgia. But he, man, he's he's a different player too. And that was a guy that Calipari said before the year that you know you should be keeping an eye on. Uh, that he's going to be different this year. He's going to be much improved, and he's definitely been that. I mean, another really, he was the only guy who was really able to shoot from downtown uh, consistently on Saturday, and he scored what nineteen and. He's just had a really nice season. He's a really good sophomore year. He's probably putting his name in the NBA draft conversation, which is a good thing because that means he's helping the team win. So really good game from Quickly and Richards. Um, I thought Maxi also, I know he didn't shoot well, but it was another one of those games where it didn't affect how he played on defense. So that's always really good to see. And obviously the biggest relief from this game is that Ashton Hagens appears to just be day-to-day rather than uh, you know, the BBN panicking over an Achilles, which looked like it could have been a real possibility, but seems like he's okay too. Oh man, walking into the media uh, press conference last night, Aaron, I mean, we were all just watching replays of it. It's non-contact injuries. It's uh, the worst ones you don't want to see. Um, I initially thought it was a rolled ankle from my bird's eye view. So you, there was nothing you could have done to convince me that by the time we leave, Calipari would have given such a positive update on it. Not necessarily even because I thought it was such a bad injury, but because he just doesn't do that. You know, he thought he'd leave some mystery to it. Right afterwards, I was sitting and um, waiting on him to, uh, Quanzo Martin to come to the podium, I guess. And I was listening to the SEC network and he had, he had made a comment in the post game of like, Oh, I hope he's not hurt too bad. And then when I heard that, I was just really like, Oh gosh, just the way he was directly addressing it. And then within the first question, basically he said, Oh, he just, you know, low ankle sprain. Uh, you know, kind of laugh that he should be fine in 18 hours. So, yeah, just, I mean, absolute best-case scenario, Um, at least, absolutely. you know, a few minutes afterwards hearing that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll see if he plays against Georgia, which we'll have to get into them before uh, we finish this episode up because they had a huge win. Uh, and Anthony Edwards is probably going to be the number one pick in next year's draft, so not going to be an easy game in Athens on Tuesday. But um, hopefully he'll be ready for that. And I know – if not, I mean, they're going to be pretty limited. And same with Quickly. Hopefully he's good to go because Juzang is still sick. Um, Cal Perry, I think, already practically ruled him out. So, you know, they could be looking at a seven- or eight-man rotation on Tuesday against the best player in the country. Uh, that was a quick story point on that, too, Aaron. I mean, so I, when I was driving to Lexington yesterday, and I heard Johnny Juzang was going to be out. With all the transfer rumors floating around him, the very first game of semester two, I was kind of mm. thinking, oh, I don't know, I don't know. But I, I have here, and I mean, I've heard a couple people tell me that, you know, he is sick. I, I even heard hand, foot, and mouth or whatever. So it does sound like he's sick. They quarantined the dorms. But that is something I'm definitely at least going to keep my eye on, though, because, yes. you know, the, his name has been really brought up a lot as far as wanting to get back west and, you know, his, his role not coming to form here at Kentucky. And, you know, that's a big deal if you don't start playing, you know, you don't play in a game, um, you know, in that second semester really opens up time frames for you and stuff. So I'm not saying read more into that, but I am saying I'll be keeping my eye on that for sure. Yeah. 
I was saying before the year to some people when it kind of seemed like he was not going to be part of the rotation much that he, it really feels like a similar case to Jamal Baker where obviously a little different because Baker had the injury that kept him out his entire freshman year. And then, you know, as a sophomore, he's still banged up, finally got back in and did a couple of good things, but the shooting never really developed into what Kentucky hoped. But it kind of it feels eerily similar to that whole situation, and I wouldn't be surprised with all the wing talent that's coming in next year if Juzang does opt to leave sooner rather than later or right after the season. But obviously for him, you just want – what's best for the kid really i mean it's an 18 year old kid and god i, I know <laughs> i know how hard it was to be 11 hours away from my family all the time as a freshman and he's god knows how many hours away so um yeah you just gotta root for what's best for him and hopefully I, i'm sure it is just an illness and you know right now they could use him though and unfortunately for he's probably missing his opportunity to be you know get 10 to 15 minutes a game if they if he were to be able to go on tuesday yeah, I know. And, you know, it could just be nothing. The kid could just be sick and everything could, could be fine on the up and up as far as that stuff. They could still use an extra person in the rotation, especially yeah. if there's anything more to Hagen's injury. No, even the way that Cal described it, I mean, sheesh, man, that game was Saturday, you know, late evening. You know, you're talking about playing a game on Tuesday night. There's a chance he could miss the game. And I'll be, I'll feel cheated if that too. happens. I've really wanted to see Hagen's match up with Anthony Edwards on Tuesday night. I think that'll be sweet. I hope we get the chance. And if that does yeah. happen, you know, I hope that Hagens isn't limited because, man, Edwards is, you know, a scoring machine. So you're going to need to be, you know, healthy. Yeah. And there's a, the other intrigue with that matchup is obviously Hagens was a Georgia commit. And last year he was right. being heckled by the entire fan base and he had his best game as a Wildcat. I think it was 22 and 10 and he had that game. So uh really would love to see him go back and probably going to be his last college game down there, assuming he, is done after the season, which probably going to be the case um, NBA wise. But um, we'll see. At the end of the day, um, you know you want to win every game, but you got to you need Hagens for the long run. So if he's not a hundred percent, there's no point in rushing him. And luckily, Georgia is on the schedule twice this year. So I believe just in a couple weeks here they come to Lexington. So Hagens, you would think, will definitely be ready for that. So no matter what, we'll get an Edwards versus Hagens, but. You definitely want it Tuesday and the extra intrigue of um, him going down to the school he once committed to. Yeah, so we'll have a 9 p.m. or two. been a while since I feel like we've yeah. had a late. Well, I guess it's that, a I guess road Utah game because then we don't have to go. The night. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it is a little too far. <laughs> Still plotting the uh, Cats by 90 SEC basketball road trip, so we got spinning our wheels on that. But as far as the basketball goes right now, though, I mean, Nick Richards, when he's playing, he really is one of the best big men in the country. I'll be really anxious to see, though, if he can do it three games in a row because in his career now, he's done it a couple times twice in a row. Um, I have no idea. I don't I'm, I don't think Georgia has, you know, too many good bigs. So it'll be interesting yeah, and telling to see if, if he can go three games in a row and putting up big numbers like he has. And then as, another thing is that I've been saying for a while, and I really validated it yesterday, like I don't know why there's not more chatter in – desire I guess to get Emmanuel quickly good looks not just open threes either I feel like he's his scoring has improved so much from freshman to sophomore year and he always takes shots that are under control like he rarely takes a bad shot um he had that awesome and one yesterday um there really was a momentum changer or you know that was able to I guess Kentucky kind of ride that momentum to finish out that game but then ultimately my last point is the fact that 
if they can't get something each night, if they can't get one and a half people playing between Keon Brooks, EJ Montgomery, and Khalil Whitney, then it's just going to be tough for this team to achieve their full potential. And Khalil Whitney specifically is a guy that, I mean, you're just continually getting absolutely nothing from. And it's starting to become worrisome as if, you know, if he's just trying to figure this out or if he's going to be able to contribute at all this season. Yeah, and on your first point, yeah, Georgia lost their best big man. If you remember, Nicholas Blackston was a really solid big that they had last year. He was um, an NBA pick last year, so he's gone. So Nick Richards should have a pretty good matchup. And behind Anthony Edwards, he might be the SEC player of the year. I I mean, just looking at the landscape of the league, it's not very strong this year. Some of Kentucky's freshmen like Matt, uh, Whitney, who were probably preseason candidates, have underperformed. So right now, for me, Edwards is the winner, but Richards is probably number two. But yeah, Whitney and... Really, Whitney and Montgomery, I think Brooks has been kind of what was expected from him. You know, he's probably going to be on a two-year to three-year guy. Um, obviously, five-star, four-star, depending on what rating system or website you like to look at. Um, super athletic, but he obviously, the thing with him is um, strength. He They want him to get stronger, and they want him to bulk up a little bit because, you know, he's he admits it. He, he said it multiple times, look at me. I'm not the biggest guy out there. He's six seven. It's not like he doesn't have the height. So they probably need him to bulk up a little bit um, this season. And, you know, he'll be a factor next year. And I think, you know, he's still done some pretty good things. He had a 15-point game. forget which one that was that he scored 15 in. But he did. he's had some good games where he's made some big rebounds. He's had a couple big blocks and big spots. So I think of those three, Brooks has been maybe even a little more than what Kentucky was expecting him from expecting from him this year. But at the same time, he's having to play those minutes because Khalil Whitney, who is supposed to be along with um, Tyrese Maxey, the two big freshmen this year, Khalil Whitney has just not been at all what Kentucky expected to get from him. Like you said, he's kind of been a liability when he's been on the court. And that's why he's only playing, you know, like lately he's been held to, I think he had a couple games where he only played four minutes. So, he really hasn't been much of a factor than EJ, man. I mean, uh, he's so hard to figure out because he has, you can see it. You, you've you been high on him from day one because he has all the potential in the world. He's had a couple of games where that potential has been on full display. Um, I know he had the, I think it was a triple double last year against um, Mississippi State. I think maybe it was a double double, but he had a really good game and it looked like, you know, he could be, <laughs> he was like, that's a guy who's going to be a first round draft pick the way he looked at at that game, I remember covering it, but even this year, he's had a couple games where he's looked really good right after he came back from the injury, but it's, it's so hard to figure that, that kid out. And then, like, against Louisville, he has a wide-open dunk, and he just, his concentration just wasn't there. And it, it, he's <laughs> he's kind of like Nick, where he's just so hard to figure out, and he's taking way too long to figure it out. But I think in his case, um, more so than, like, a Ju Zhang or Whitney, like, I still think if he wants to come back next year, he'll have a chance to have that opportunity and succeed because of the way Cal Perry's recruited mostly smaller guys next year. You're still looking for a big guy. So luckily for him, I still think he has more time to figure it out than maybe a, a Whitney and Juzang do at Kentucky, but they need more from him if they want to win in 2020. That's for sure. Yeah. Consistency kind of just seems to be the theme that's going to come with this team and, you know, how can they put it together by, you know, the next eight weeks, because, Richards has shown it. Maxie's has shown it. Hagen's has shown it. Um, yep. And then you kind of have a, you know, a quickly now too. And then now you have this other kind of group of guys that's really hit or miss. But overall, I still think Kentucky's in 
a good spot to be where they want to be at the end of the season. I think the league is, is going to be tougher than people want to give it credit for. Um, I would not be surprised to see any outcome. I think there's still a strong chance Kentucky could drop a lot of games in the SEC, um, especially with this being their first true road game. I mean, there's no idea what to yeah. expect on Tuesday night. That's always really hard on, you know, when you're sure. playing guys that have never seen that before. Yeah, the SEC is kind of weird this year. It's obviously not going to be like last year where you had seven teams make the tournament. But, you know, Georgia, outside of Anthony Edwards, Georgia stinks, but Anthony Edwards is such a – it's kind of – you know who they remind me of? Remember Oklahoma a couple of years ago with Trey Young, where Trey Young was yeah. just a top two player in the country, in my opinion, that year. And oh, no, the team around him just stunk. So they got to the tournament barely, and they lost right away. But – Kind of reminds me of that team. So I think Georgia is a possible tournament team and they can give Kentucky problems, especially at home tomorrow or Tuesday, rather. And then you look at Auburn, they're undefeated, but they haven't really been challenged yet. Um, still, obviously, they were in the Final Four last year, beat Kentucky in the Elite Eight. So they're for real. And then you have Arkansas, who looks really, really good so far. But other than that, man, I mean, Florida was supposed to be the team that was supposed to be Kentucky's biggest competition, and they've been terrible. And they got lucky to escape Alabama on Saturday. They were down the whole game, and Alabama basketball is Alabama basketball, so they choked at the end. But uh, Florida hasn't looked good. Tennessee lost their best player for the season. So the SEC is definitely not as strong as last year. But, yeah, teams like Georgia, Auburn, Arkansas, those are all those are all droppable games. And that would be four or five right there because they play Auburn twice and Georgia. It'd be a It'd be a big step for Kentucky to get that first true road win of the season, start off conference play 2-0. Yeah. I mean, teams that you should beat, but again, every road game's hard, but especially the first one for a team. I mean, you know, gosh, we're already in, you know, it's going to be January 5th or 6th, and they're going to have to play their first road game. So ESPN, and you know, one thing, too, about Anthony Edwards, I mean, players like that show up for big games. You know, this is one of the oh, yeah. biggest games left on his schedule playing against Kentucky on ESPN2, I think it's on. So they'll be in for, yeah. a, for a dog fight, no pun intended. and. Hopefully that same Nick Richards shows up, but I know I'll be happy to get the evening off, Aaron. I don't have much to do until Saturday when um, Alabama comes to Rupp Arena. So have a good, relaxing week. Hopefully, hope your cold is better and you make it back to Lexington yeah. safe. And um, I'll talk Appreciate to you next that. week. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. And cold uh, is better and you make it back to Lexington safe. And um, I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow Cats by 90 on Twitter at cats by 90 you can also follow aaron and drew at a gershon 99 and at big blue drew 33 and remember no matter the opponent it's always cats by 90